Welcome back to the Everything Emob Podcast, part of the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. I'm your host, Joe Tillery, and I gotta say, today I do not want to talk about K-State. I don't want to talk about this game. Last night, K-State and KU played in one of the games that I just, I was so amped up for before the game started. Obviously, you're at Allen Fieldhouse. Obviously, it's a top 10 matchup. It should be a great matchup. And it was. It did deliver. It was a fun game to watch. If I disassociate myself from being a K-State fan, it was a fun game to watch. As a K-State fan, I was furious. I was livid for 40 straight minutes of basketball. I'm starting to think about Big 12 officiating a little bit more. And I've never wanted to be a guy that says, hey, this is the ref's fault. That's the reason we lost this game. It wasn't the entire reason, but it sure as hell mattered. Jerome Tang early got called for a technical foul just for being pissed off about one of the calls. The inconsistency at both ends of the court. Keontae Johnson goes down. Defender goes straight up. It counts as a strip ball. Nothing changes. Dewan Harris on the other end of the court, does the exact same thing, gets called for a foul. And Tang is livid. Immediately technical foul on Jerome Tang, sets him back down. And for the rest of the game, everything was off. From an officiating standpoint, everything was off. And I'm not going to sit here and say that K-State didn't get a couple of calls that I questioned, but the biggest thing I wanted to mention was something that the two commentators said in this matchup. They spoke up and basically said, okay, so this is what the officiating crew has been told to do. They've been told to wait out the play and see what happens, to feel out the play and then call the foul, to wait and take their time and then decide what's the best action. Now, here's the issue with that. There's a thousand different issues with that. A foul should stop the play. Here's the thing. If a foul occurs, you need to stop the play so nothing can continue to the point where it's like, dude, we're already going the other way. We're already going the other way. We're in the front court now. And then you call the foul on a play that just happened? No way. That's got to stop. The biggest thing, and last night it was kind of on display, where if you're waiting to feel out the play and the arena goes, what? You know, and everybody's screaming, everybody's pissed off. Wouldn't you think as a referee you say, oh yeah, that was a foul, let's call it. No matter what happens, no matter where you are, if the home crowd is pissed off and gets screaming loud, wouldn't you think the officiating crew would then feel out the play and say, ooh, the stadium did not like that one. Let's call that foul. That is a shooting foul. And I'm not going to say that Allen Fieldhouse is the only place that that's going to happen at, but tell me if you're in Ames, tell me if you're at K-State, tell me if you're anywhere. That if a referee crew is taking their time to feel out a play, how does the crowd level of noise not affect your decision? How? I don't think that makes sense. So that was something I wanted to immediately comment on. K-State played sloppy, and they were missing a lot of shots around the bucket. They're turning the basketball over, that happens. But what I noticed through this game, and the past couple of games, I didn't have an issue when K-State put up 116 to Texas' 103. I didn't have an issue even when we gave up 83 to Iowa State, and then when we give up 90 to Kansas at home. I start to question a little bit, hey, where's the defense at? Are we playing any defense? Because we sure as hell did not in this game. Every single time Jalen Wilson found the basketball in his hands, he'd pull for three. K-State wouldn't close out. We were ducking under screens. And I think that is a little bit of a difference thing. The first matchup, Dewan Harris didn't shoot the basketball at all, so K-State understood, hey, we're going under screens on McCuller and Harris. In this game between the pair of them, they shot 5-for-5 five five from 3. McCuller didn't even score against K-State in their first matchup. Harris only scored from the free throw line. The difference is K-State's ducking under screens. These guys are pulling 3 now. Credit to Bill Self and his crew. I'm sure they saw that and said, alright, we got to get these guys shooting because K-State's going underneath the screens. But K-State's defense was questionable at best. And I'm optimistic the drum tang knows that. I'm optimistic he sees it. And he makes that change. You saw it against Florida. I mean, we played horrible defense against Iowa State, and then Tang comes back and allows 50 points for an entire game against Florida. And I know what you're thinking. Okay, well, Florida's not Kansas, Joe. Florida is not that great of a team. 
but we still held a talented team in the SEC to 50 points. We give up 90 the next week to KU. If you keep it to 68, if you keep it to 70, we win that basketball game. If K-State goes out there and competes on the defensive end, we do fine. But giving up a run of 18 points right to close out the half, you cut it to four, and then you go into halftime down 12, that's horrible. That's horrible. And that's exactly what KU wants to do. They're a fast-paced, three-shooting team. They've never been a slow, methodical, slow-down-the-offense team. When you start getting nervous and you start playing to that standard, KU will beat anybody in the country. When you get to that, okay, they're running, they're playing in transition, we got to play that way, they'll beat anybody in the country. Except, I guess, TCU. I, I don't know what's up with that. But K-State cannot afford to do that. we got to slow it down in the half court, get it to Keontae Johnson, let him post up, take a guy one-on-one isolation basketball. Let Marquise create with the basketball in his hands. We have to get more production out of these guys. I know that they're the superstars on this team, but when you're giving up 90 points, even with Marquise Noel scoring 30-ish, even with... Keontae Johnson scoring 30-ish. It's not going to put you where you need to be. K-State is still liable to lose these games. And it's going to be telling for March. It's going to be telling for these Big 12 tournaments. It's going to be telling to see who we match up against every step of the way. If they have a great offense and they put up 100 points, there's a real chance K-State loses. I know that's not some mind-blowing commentary to say, if we let the other team score 100 points, we probably lose. But K-State has given up so many points this year. They've given up the most points in Big 12 basketball which is a complete 180 from these Bruce Weber-led teams where it's only defense. I get that. But Tang has to increase emphasis on that. That's got to be a point of focus going forward. And I'll say this. I want to match up with KU again. It's probably not going to happen in March Madness unless it's way down the road because I doubt they'll put us in the same conference. But I want to see us in the Big 12 tournament. I want to play this team again. Because I think K-State would love a Chapter 3 here. I think we'd love a Part 3. The team is understanding their assignment. And if they can go out and actually prove, hey, If we defend, we can beat these dudes again. Two out of three can go our way. That can happen. I want to see it. I want to see it happen. Another thing that I noticed throughout the week, and Bill Self even commented on this, the Big 12 schedule makers have some problems on their hands. KU has played K-State now both times in a span of two weeks. The next game on Saturday, they play Iowa State, and they will have also played them twice already this season. They haven't even played Texas once. There's teams in the Big 12 we haven't played once before finishing off both games against an opponent, against KU, against Iowa State. And I know that there's some type of silver lining to say, okay, well, we get these guys out of the way early on, but dude, we have so many more teams we still have to play. And I'm sure it's just for television. Hey, we're going to save that KU-Texas matchup because that's what we anticipate being a great matchup. Same thing with Baylor and KU. I'm sure that nobody anticipated K-State and Iowa State being as good as they are, But it still doesn't make sense. Just line it up so that you play every team once before starting to cross off the next thing twice. It's something simple that you can take care of, and the television viewership numbers would be way better. And obviously this game is coming through ESPN+, Plus, so that's one thing. But if you push this game out until late February, until very, very, very early March, right before the tournament, the numbers would be crazy. You know, even if you think about it, if Texas gets KU's last game of the regular season, I'm pretty sure they do. I think it's a Texas and KU matchup for the last game. We face West Virginia for the last game of our season, but it's like, if you think about these matchups and just space them out, this game or the Iowa State-KU game would do so much better later in February. Give us some anticipation. Give us some time to ensure we're playing the best basketball when these two teams clash. It's a rivalry game. Give it the most time to feel each other out, to understand what type of basketball the teams need to play. Bill Self always has that stretch of 10 or 12 games where he's like, all right, I don't like this lineup. Let's figure it out. And then eventually figures out the lineup and goes from there. 
that was what happened with his centers. You know, K.J. Adams had to work his way into the rotation for him to realize, like, this is our starter. This is our starting center. That takes time. K-State's got to figure out how to play defense. That's going to take time. But if you push this game out to, like, February 21st or February 22nd, whatever it would be, that's massive. K-State figures out how to play defense. Bill Self gets his lineup. Things go back to normal. It looks good. Rather than this way, we play the same team twice in a span of two weeks. Just kind of feels like a waste. So that's something they're going to need to address going forward. And I think they will next year. Obviously, we're going to have four new Big 12 teams in UCF, Houston, BYU, and Cincinnati joining the conference, which basketball is going to be off the chain with these four teams joining the conference. Playing in Provo is going to be ridiculous for every team. Cincinnati is always a great basketball team. Houston's one of the top teams in the country. BYU is always competitive, at least. They nearly beat Gonzaga a couple of weeks ago. Big 12 basketball will always be the best conference. It's incredible to watch. But we're not really maximizing our potential in terms of viewership, in terms of money, in terms of matchups. We're kind of shooting ourselves in the foot. Two weeks in a row playing the same team isn't great for television. That's all I'm going to say. Now let's go through some stats here. KU takes this game 90-78 to at Allen Fieldhouse. That's fine. I'm not going to beat myself up about that. Going through the stats here, Keontae Johnson with the 36 minutes, 12 rebounds, 22 points. That's a damn productive day. That's a great day. Marquise Noel, 23 points, 3 rebounds, 4 assists. Another great day. So your two superstars put up 45 points, 15 rebounds, and 4 assists between the pair. That's a pretty good day. Then you go to the bench. Then you go to different guys. Tomlin puts up 11 points. That's pretty good for Tomlin. 8 rebounds is the key. That's a good rebounding day. Naquan had 0 last week. Same thing with David Gasson. David Gasson has 6 rebounds, 10 points. That's huge for the Cats. A lot of that from the free throw line. Desi Sills was 7 which is huge for K-State. That is a game changer. This team lives and dies with Desi Sills. He's put up zero the past couple of weeks with Iowa State in the game. Before that, he puts up seven here. Obviously, he had 24 against Kansas last time, and it was a massive spark plug. Desi's got to be more productive. That's what's going to help for the Cats. Ish Masood kind of had a weird falling out of minutes in this game. He only had 14 minutes in the game. Two rebounds, two points. You know, Ish has got to see closer to 20, 25 minutes. That's what I think, but... It's just how things are figuring themselves out. Bebe only had three minutes of this game, and Tyke Green with two minutes. Not a ton out of the guys. Cam Carter had 19 minutes, three points, four rebounds, two assists. I don't know. I think Cam Carter's spot, and I don't mean to say come for the kid. He's not talented. He's a great basketball player, and he's young. He's got time to figure things out. But I think Tang's got to start going in a different direction, maybe even debuting kind of a different lineup, a bigger lineup, where you have obviously Marquise at the one, and then you move at the two. I think it's possible to move Keontae to the two guard. And I don't mean to say that he's going to sit there and be some offensive ball handler. He can still be the same player. But I think what K-State could debut is a lineup where they have Marquise at the one, and he's just assisting guys. Big body lineup. And we go Marquise at the one, Keontae Johnson at the two, Ish Masood at the three as a spot-up shooter. That's a hard thing to pass away. You know, Ish is still six foot nine. Get him as a spot-up shooter, a 3 and D guy. He's going to be a kind of a Robert Covington type of player. Then go ahead and give me Naquan Talman at the four, David Gasson at the five. I don't think many lineups in the country can compare to that. It's going to test some endurance. A lot of the bigger guys being on the court for that long. But, I mean, David Gasson is a talented player. Naquan Tomlin has all the potential in the world. Ish Masood can shoot the lights off the ball. If Ish can set up as a 3 and D guy, Keontae can just go to his. Keontae can go to work and get his. And Marquise can just assist the guys. That feels like a great lineup. I think it would be something to consider trying. Then you get guys off the bench. Then you can kind of sit into that small ball lineup where Cam Carter comes back in. And then you get, you know, Desi Sills coming to the game and a couple of guys coming off the bench. Even Bebe can get some minutes here and there. I think that'd be a great lineup to look at for K-State, especially on the rebounding and defending front. That's where it needs to be. 
I think going forward for this, K-State's in a real interesting spot. Currently, it's a three-way tie with the three top teams all being 18-4 and four between Texas, KU, and K-State. I don't know how it's all going to work out. K-State beat Texas. They've got the tiebreaker over Texas. That's huge. But I'm a little bit concerned about the rest of our schedule. K-State still has a bit of a gauntlet to go through for the next couple of weeks. I don't know what's going to happen. We're playing Texas on Saturday. Texas is a good team, but like you saw on the road, we beat them. We put up 116. We played incredible, but we shot the basketball like 60% from three. Something crazy. That's probably not going to happen again. But Keontae Johnson's a man among boys. Texas is a really bad matchup for K-State. Similar to how TCU is just a horrible matchup for us with these tall athletic guards and a really tough inside presence, we are that for Texas. We are Texas's bad matchup. Keontae Johnson cannot be defended by anybody on the court, and Marquise Noel is the best guard on both teams. And people talk about Marcus Carr and how spectacular he is. He's not the greatest defender I've ever seen, and he doesn't do much against this K-State team. He can still put up 20 points, and K-State can still handily win this game. Um, so we take on Texas. That's going to be a huge game. If K-State can win that, that will put us back in position. It'll be massive. These games will both be at home. We take Texas on at home on Saturday. That's a huge game. And then on Tuesday, we take on TCU without Mike Miles Jr., who has been incredible for TCU. He's been one of the best players in the country. Blows my mind that he's not you know, top five in consideration for this Wooden Award. He's been incredible. He extends his knee, hyperextends his knee, hurts himself. Unless for some reason get back that quick, he's saying, it sounds like Miles is out for a while. TCU's still a top 15 team even without him. So we're going to need to play well. That'll be a good game. Then you have Oklahoma on the road. We haven't even played Oklahoma once yet this year, I don't think. Yeah, we haven't played Oklahoma once this year. So we'll play Oklahoma on the road. They're a tough team. Even though they're bottom of the Big 12, they're still a tough team. They just beat Alabama by 30, the biggest win of all time by an unranked team over the number one team in the country. That's Oklahoma. And I didn't hype Texas Tech up enough. They're also a good team. They just beat Iowa State in a massive game, 80-77 to in overtime. Huge game for Texas Tech. So Tech and Oklahoma sitting at the bottom of the conference. We've got them both in a span of two weeks on the road. Not easy to play in either spot. Then we take on Iowa State at our home court in Bramlage. I think that's a winnable game. K-State's got to play better defensively. That's really going to be the kicker here. Then we take on Baylor at home. Another huge game. Jerome Tang's former team. Baylor's a top 11 team in the country right now. They're a good, talented program. They lost a narrow one with Texas. Then Oklahoma State, Oklahoma at home, and then West Virginia to close the season out. K-State is getting through their gauntlet here, here soon. Obviously, Baylor's not going to be an easy game, and we know Texas this weekend isn't going to be easy. But with TCU being banged up and injured, that is ideal for the Cats. Not to say we're wishing on injuries on anybody. But K-State has a better chance to beat TCU than they ever have because of this. The next thing, Kansas' schedule is no cakewalk either. They've played some really good teams, but the issue is they've played all their good teams at home mostly. They have a lot of away games sitting on the schedule. So right now it's a three-way tie between K-State, KU, and Texas. That's the way it looks. And I want to go through each schedule and just talk about what the options are, what's going to happen going forward. KU takes on Iowa State at Iowa State this weekend. That's huge. That's going to be a massive one. So K-State goes at Iowa State, then takes on Texas at home. That's going to be a toss-up for their first game. I don't know how Texas is going to match up. I think it should be a good one. Oklahoma on the road. OSU on the road. Baylor at home. That'll be a good one. I think Scott Drew's bunch is more than capable of pulling off an upset against KU. We'll see how they show up. You know, Allen's still a scary place to play. Then they take on TCU at TCU, and I think there'd be a chance that Mike Miles is back by then. Not 100% sure. It's February 20th, so we'll get some good recovery time. We'll have to see. West Virginia, who I can't get heads or tails of. I can't tell if they're a good team or a horrible team. They're somewhere in the mix, but they beat really talented teams. They beat Texas earlier in the year. They've got a couple of key wins that should get them to March, just barely. So they take on West Virginia. 
Then they take on Texas Tech, which will be a routine win for Kansas. And they close off the season at Texas, which could be the defining factor in Big 12 play, depending on who wins that game. If Texas wins that game, K-State could still take the Big 12 title. That's massive. I can't believe that. That's what Kansas still has to play. It's not some cakewalk to the one seed for any of these top teams. Then you get Texas. Let's look through Texas' schedule. Now, here's the thing with Texas. I don't think they're as good of a team as Kansas or K-State, in my opinion. And you've seen that, where they've lost these key games, they've beaten Baylor, they've beaten a couple of big teams, but they lose some weirdly close games that they shouldn't. You know, they lost to Tennessee, they're the second-ranked team in the country. That's just going to happen. They go out and lose to Iowa State. Iowa State's a good team. So they lose to Iowa State. That was early in the season. That was January 17th. They then beat West Virginia, beat OSU. That's fine. They lose to Tennessee. Tennessee's the second-best team in the country. What are you going to do about that? Then on Monday, they beat Baylor by five. It was a close game. K-State, next up on the schedule, at K-State. Next game, at Kansas. Take on West Virginia at home, at Texas Tech. Texas Tech is not a great team, but at home they are tough to play. At Texas Tech. Then they take on Oklahoma at home, then Iowa State at home. Another huge game. They go, the last four games of their season, they go, Iowa State at home, at Baylor, at TCU, at home versus Kansas. Those are four top 15 teams in the country, and you got to play them all the back four weeks. So when you look at the schedules, I think it's pretty easy to conclude Texas has the toughest road ahead for the Big 12 tournament. That's just the way it is. To get the one seed for Texas, they're going to have to play lights-out basketball. K-State's got to win this weekend. Put themselves back in position. KU's got a tough game. KU's got a tough schedule. I think the easiest path left, in my opinion, is K-State. Then closely behind that is Kansas. Then Texas. K-State still has a really good shot to win, but Jerome Tang is going to have to instill a defensive identity into this team. And we should see that here against Texas. One of the most high-flying offenses in the country. It's going to be great basketball to watch, and I am thrilled to bring that to you. Thank you so much for watching this episode of the Everything Yeemaw podcast. I, of course, am your host, Joe Tillery. It's been a great day to be a Wildcat, even coming off a loss. I hope you guys are doing okay. I still don't think it's time to panic. Don't press the panic button for this squad. Tang will get it figured out. The Tang gang is not leaving anytime soon. Thank you so much for listening. Go Cats, baby.